Oregon State's 2022 spring is in the books. I'm Aaron Fentress. This is the Beaver Banter Podcast. I am here along with our Oregon State beat writer, Nick Daschel. Nick, you survived another spring. How are you feeling now that it's over with? Before we dive into what you saw. <laughs> I like it because that means, that means the next few months I can take a breath and figure out some 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 stories I can't usually get to this time you know when I, when, when you're scrambling with basketball and football all the time so um yeah plus you know the four-hour drive back and forth to Corvallis you know so but it's all good it was a good spring it was a good spring for Oregon State well that's good to hear we'll, we'll dive into that obviously we have a lot of topics today we're going to talk about QB of course we'll talk about the sensational Freshman running back Damian Martinez, the offensive line, the defense under Trent Bray, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But first, let's just get your big picture view of what you think um, came out of this spring. Uh, just some, some quick points before we dive deep into certain subjects about how you think overall the spring went for this program. Because, hey, they had a breakout season last year. There's no doubt about that. And they maybe fell short of what they wanted to do at the end, losing the bowl game, et cetera, and losing some questionable losses down the stretch there but coming off of that season making a bowl game for the first time in a long time this is a huge spring for them so how do you think they came out of it injury wise how do you think they came out of it developmental wise i mean i think i've been saying this for a while but i think this upcoming season's uh you know it's a window opportunity for oregon state the the the, the north is as it's it's as puzzle it's a puzzle as as it's been for shoot years you got oregon washington washington state with new coaches stanford and cal you know stanford looks a little bit down cal we don't know what exactly they're going to bring to the field so you know and oregon state's got a lot of pieces coming back and shoot i mean if they can get the quarterback position right i think i think they got a shot to at least if not win the the north at least you know, make a run and make it interesting. I mean, shoot, they were they were darn close to to winning the North last year, so I, I think they they're in, they're in a good position. And I don't think when the preseason media poll comes out, I think you're going to see that. I think I'll I would bet Oregon State is third behind Oregon and Washington because you know, well, everybody's got to pick Oregon first and Washington second. That's just kind of the way it goes, but. I don't think Oregon State's going to be the quote unquote underdog. I, 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 they came out of the spring pretty in pretty good shape. They didn't have any, you know, major injuries. You know, guys that are going to be out for the season or anything like that. There, there were several guys that didn't participate at all, or that were that are prominent players, um, or they participated in a limited fashion. But they're all expected to be back in in the in August, so. You know, other than that, there were just a few nicks and, but I think, you know, developmental wise, I, I think that the defense really took a step forward with Trent Bray, you know, leading the way for the first time, you know, they, they, they showed a lot of, showed a lot of promise in a couple of areas, mm-hmm. the, the, the quarterback position, you know, looks a little bit, looks a little deeper than it did a year ago, you know, with, with, with Tristan Jebbia and Ben Gulbertson back to practicing full time the the running back position is you know is as deep as i've seen it even without bj baylor being out being out of the mix um and the offensive line just continues to 
looked solid. I mean, it was the best position on the team last year, and I'm not going to say that it will be again this year, but I think it's got a chance to if if they can develop some depth. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They've they've obviously had a lot of health. Um, they've been pretty lucky health wise on the offensive line. I don't know, you know, how many years you can go expecting to run the first five guys out there and 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 game after game and and think that's going to work. At some point, they're going to have to lean on some depth and. So I know that was if if there was a concern coming out of spring, it was you know who's going to be our backups there. They're they're not quite sure of that. Well, let's start with quarterback Tristan Jebbia back doing his thing. They did not get the potential superstar transfer J T. Daniels. I use superstar facetiously. He ended up going to West Virginia, and of course you have Chance Nolan back after a pretty solid uh, first year with the Beavers. What do you make of that competition? And what do you make of the development of Nolan, if anything, uh, given the fact that we saw promise from him last fall, but he obviously didn't, you know, become a full-fledged, bona fide, this is our guy quarterback, but he still has a lot of talent. Right. I, I, I think one of the reasons Jonathan didn't, Jonathan's a big competition guy, and I don't know that Chance did enough this spring to say, you know, I'm 100% the guy. He, particularly because Jebbia and Gulbrunson were just coming off injuries, they they only you know they've had the spring to show what they can do, but but really they need you know the summer to continue their progress, and then I think Jonathan wants to see what they look like come August. But with Chance Nolan, what he what he brings to the table is just more than the other two because he can he can run he can get out of the get out to the edges he can they can run some design plays you know for him to run on an rpo he um you know but the big issue with with chance is can he deliver the deep ball that was an issue this whole year he could not he was inaccurate on those throws and that in order in order for an offense to really thrive i mean you you know this you can't consistently win putting together 15 play 80 yard drives again occasionally you got to hit a you got to hit an explosion play down the field and mm-hmm. um so that was the, that was job one for him is to get a little bit more accurate there and he did some of that i wouldn't say he's all the way there but he's got four more months to or three months to to continue that progress but i think he made a step forward there and they've worked on his mechanics some so I would say at this point, going into August, Nolan's probably ninety percent of the way there. I I think that first week to ten days of camp, I think Jonathan would like to would like to name a starter if if Chance does show that he's clearly the best guy. I don't I don't get the sense that he wants to go all the way to the end of camp like he's done the last four years before naming a starter, but. But I think he's open to that possibility if 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 you know if that's what happens. But I do think Chance is Nolan is is the is is the is the guy in pencil. Gotcha. So what would Tristan have to do to change that to erase the pencil? Well, honestly, I think Chance Nolan would have to would have to regress a little. I, the thing the thing with Tristan is 
you know, he's a good, he's, he's a good pocket quarterback, but he does, he's, he's pretty limited in how he can move. And that word comes up a lot around, around Oregon state coaches. And pretty much a lot of people watch it. That Tristan Jebby is limited and maybe it has to do with the injury he had. And he, he was never the most nimble guy to begin with. <clears throat> and I think the fact that they brought chance Nolan in a couple of years ago, never had this guy that could get out, could get out on the edges. Now they've seen what that can do to the offense. I think they like that. And I think they, you know, going forward, that's probably more the kind of quarterback that they'll be looking at is a guy that's a little bit more, you know, as a, they don't, you know, they don't need the, you know, the flat out, you know, dual threat quarterback, but they, they want somebody that can do a little bit of that. And so I don't, I don't know if I honestly think Ben Galbertson probably has got a better chance to make a run at the starting job, but he's got a lot of work to do in in the passing game. So I don't know. I'm just, I, I just think it's chance to a job unless, uh, unless he regresses or one of the other two just makes a giant leap forward this summer. Okay. Moving on to running back. Of course, we all know Baylor moved on to the NFL. He had a fantastic season last year. Uh, a lot of questions surrounding, you know, who would take over as number one back. And they landed a pretty nice prospect in Damian Martinez, who graduated early and was participating in spring drills and apparently is living up to the billing so far based on uh, what people have seen. He looks the part for sure. He, <laughs> he, he, I mean, from, from day one, he was, you know, he played a lot with the ones and, and some with the twos during, during camp and uh, spring practices. And I mean, he's, he's, he's a big kid. He's six foot two twenty eight. He's got, he's got some speed, but he definitely is physical and he's not afraid to run up the middle and 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 take a take a hit. Um, you know, the only thing I would say is that you know the fact that he you know he got into can got into practice early with Oregon State's going to be a it's going to be a a big positive I think because now he kind of knows what he's going to have to do come August. But you know, obviously, if you're a, if you're a freshman, you just coming out of high school, that's a lot to ask for a guy to be the star. I mean, it, although if there is a position where freshmen do tend to thrive, it's what running back and cornerback is that 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 fair? Those two positions they seem like running back I mean, for sure. Corner can yeah. be kind of scary if you're a freshman, but yeah, if you're athletic enough. Yeah, I mean, but it does seem like cornerbacks do. You know, if, of all the freshmen out there, I w- I would say running back for sure, and then maybe cornerback. But so I mean. He's got obviously going to have some things he's got to have to work on. The pass protection is big for Oregon State, and that's not something that's he's going to pick up right away. But but just the just the basics, you know, take ball, run ball, you know, make a first down, and that sort of stuff. He's pretty good at. Beyond that, even if let's say he let's say he just isn't quite there, they're they're still pretty they're still pretty deep there. Deshaun Fenwick was having a, a decent season when he got nicked up later in the year last year and he looks he looks he looked decent this spring too i i i think those two i think martinez and um and fenwick they'll they'll combine for the majority of the carries this next season i don't know how they'll divvy them up quite and then trey low had a had a decent season you know, as a third down guy and he'd come in occasionally and take a series and he's he's just a little different back than those two a little smaller 
more, more nimble, maybe maybe catches the ball. He got a lot better in pass protection last year. And then the wild card is Griffin from Georgia Tech. The, the, he's a he's a transfer from Georgia Tech, um, a former four-star recruit. Um, did get a lot of touches down there because they had a they had a BJ Baylor type at, at Georgia Tech who did most of the running and um we don't know what he brings yet but obviously he has some potential so come August it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see you know these four guys and you know who knows maybe there's another guy in, the, in you know in on the roster that they'll they'll get in the mix too but i think that's a position of that's a real position of strength for Oregon State well, of course, any good running back needs a good offensive line to run behind. That was clearly one of Oregon State's main strengths last season, especially on offense. Well, let's just say for the entire uh, roster, so to speak, because the running game kind of carried the team and helped the defense. But they did lose two veteran guys off that offensive line. What progress do you think Oregon State made during the spring to fill those two holes and maintain the running game that they've thrived off of the past two seasons? Well, the biggest change they made was um, they moved uh, Brandon Kipper inside. He, he'd been playing right tackle the last three years. Started, I think he'd started 30, I want to say 32 consecutive games, something like that. Um, so they're, they're moving him inside to right guard and moving Tali Fuega in, in to, the, um, to right tackle. And he played a little bit of that last year. But those two together, side by side, Holy smokes. I mean, they're both 6'6". Six, six. Uh, both of them are in the neighborhood of 330 pounds. I think Tolly's a little bit bigger, maybe 330-ish. And, you know, Kipper's maybe 325, 327. But, I mean, that's that's a mountain of a right side for Oregon State. I think Tolly might be a little bit – he might be a little bit better of a right tackle prospect than Kipper. I know that – they they think that uh, Kipper is his future NFL future is probably at a guard anyway, and so they they want to move him inside and give him a chance to show what he can do, and maybe it's a you know it's a benefit for Oregon State anyway. You know, on the left side is it's it's pretty much the same. It's it's you know Joshua Gray who started at left tackle last last I want to gosh did he start a year I know he started last year I want to say he started the last two years and then uh Marco Brewer who played a lot last year at left guard so you know the the, the both sides of the line is pretty good the question mark is going to be you know at center they they lose Nathan Eldridge he was a two-time first team all Pac-12 center he I think he was on the all Pac-12 teams three times if you throw in Arizona when he was Arizona um, and he's one of the he's one of the biggest losses on this team, you know. Can Jake Levengood step in, and, and and maybe not be Eldridge, but but be good enough? Jake has played a lot on the offensive line. He he, he hasn't played a lot at center, but you know Eldridge last year the big the big thing he he stepped forward he made last year was he not only blocked his guy he was able to get downfield and get to a second guy, and so mm-hmm. that that made a big difference. Um, can Levinga do that? I, I don't know, but you know, if he's, I think with the other guys he's got on the offensive line, they they should be. I don't know if they're going to be as good. I think they got a chance to be as good as last year. I don't know if they can be better, but they they got a chance to be as good as last year. And if that's, I mean, if that's the bar, it's pretty high because they were one of the best offensive lines in the Pac-12 last year. You're thinking this line can be strong, but maybe not match last year's. 
I think it could. I think it could be. Is I mean, the rights. The the interesting part would be the right side. Can the right side be better than last year? Because it's 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 just it's just so huge. And and if Tolly can move a little bit better and pass block a little better than Kipper did, maybe that's maybe that maybe they're they're as good or better than last year because the right side will be better. I mean that that's that's to be seen. And of course, you know, injuries are all going to be a part of it. And we didn't, again, you know, they, they had so few injuries the last three years on the offensive line. You know, if they get a few few guys nicked up there, you know, do they have the backups to, to fill in at least, you know, hold, hold it down? That, that's, that remains to be seen. You are listening to Beaver Banter, and we'll be right back after a quick break. All right, moving on to the defense. Defensive coordinator Trent Bray took over late last season, but now he's finally had an offseason and a spring to start implementing more of what he wants to do, which I'm sure was shifted and tweaked some last season, but the offseason provides you more opportunity to really put your stamp on your system and get your players up to speed on everything you want to do. How would you rate or, or analyze how that went this spring? I think it was pretty good. He, he, you know, he's, his style is definitely different than Tim Tibisar. He's, he's, he's far more aggressive. He's, you know, looking to, he's looking to put more pressure on the quarterback from the outside and, and, and throw a lot of looks at it. There's no, it's not really a defined three, four scheme like it had been in the past. I mean, I think Oregon State's going to be, as much four three as they'll be three four, and frankly, they may not even be in that because I think they like to play a lot of. They like to put five DBs on the field a lot. So, uh, but I do think that the difference is is going to be what they have on the outside uh, up front. They they just have a different they have a different mix up there than they did a year ago, and and those guys are you know pretty talented. They have this. They have a new. Um, I, I think the guys they're going to start are. They didn't even play last year. Andrew Chatfield, who's a transfer from Florida, he's he's a 260 pound offensive or outside linebacker, and um, he couldn't play last year because he was ineligible. Um, but he he looked, you know, when he was when they cut him loose this year, this spring, he was he looked good. And John McCartan's always been a playmaker. He didn't play last year because he had a hamstring injury, but he's a he's another big guy, six five about 250 and he he he's he's a playmaker not just you know getting into the backfield but he he can get back into pass coverage and he made a couple of key interceptions earlier in his career to to save a couple of games um but they're just deep they're really deep at that outside linebacker position so it'll be interesting and i think that's you know kind of where trent's gonna make it is is making plays in the backfield if they can get back to doing that again with with a lot of aggressiveness, you know, it could be an exciting year for the for this defense. But that maybe can only happen if the secondary takes a step forward, correct? So where do you think things went uh or how do you think things went in the spring for that group? Well, that was I mean of, of all the things that happened this spring, I would say what the secondary did was probably the most impressive. They they were good. They were they were they took a step forward with with just pass coverage they in in all the you know the drills the seven on seven the one on ones with with receivers 
I mean, they won most of those battles, and they got a lot of guys that were winning the battles. And, you know, again, I mean, you don't know, you know, maybe it's the re- receivers. Yeah, but I was going to say. <laughs> but, but it's the same, pretty much the same receivers that have been there the last couple of years, and the defense hasn't been winning those battles like they did this spring. They were they were glue on those guys, regardless of where it was going. Deep, short. I mean, they, they won a lot of battles, and, I mean, it was – and you know, and you, and you know, you know, with a secondary, no matter how good you are, if you can't put some pressure on the quarterback, you know, it's hard to cover for too long. But I think of the combination of of the more pressure up front, I think they could they could have a pretty good year. They they've got some depth back there now, and they have a, um, a now they have two coaches in the back instead of one. They um, hired a cornerbacks coach to go with to go with uh, coach blue. And so now they've, they've got two guys back there, you know, working and it seems to be working at least with the, with the unit there. I just, I just thought they were, they looked remarkably better than they did a year ago. Now last season, Oregon state, I think ranked 11th in past defense yards per game. Of course that can sometimes be misleading. They did have 15 interceptions though, which was up there in the conference. Do you think that a lot of that was lack of pressure or a lot of that was lack of coverage or just combination last year? Oh, I think it, I think it starts with the pressure. I mean, you know, like like I said, I mean, you can be you you can be all packed 12 but if you got to cover a guy for 4 seconds, <laughs> it's, it's hard it's you know, it's hard to cover a guy for very long. So, it all comes yeah, down to what tied, happens. Tied for ninth in sacks, yeah. Something. Yeah, I mean, they just and it's not only just sacks. It's you know, can they can they just hurry a quarterback? Can they hit him? Can you know? Can they make some other plays in the backfield? Those sorts of things. But um, yeah, I mean, if they can get if they can get to where they're even middle of the pack in pass defense, I mean that's that's a step forward because you know this team's always going to be led by its offense with Smith and Lindgren as the coaches. I don't think this these guys are ever going to be you know, top three in the conference in, in, um, you know, in defense, I, unless they can start bringing in some, some quality defensive tackles, but if they can just get to the middle of the pack and get teams off the field, you know, half the time, I think that, I think that puts them in the ball game in a lot of games. All right. Moving on to the next topic regarding the defense. Is there something, despite all the improvements that you're claiming you saw, is there something that you think can hold this defense back next season? Sure. It's a, it's a defensive line. And that's always the case with Oregon State. Well, I should say the defensive line. And then, you know, let's see what happens at inside linebacker. You know, the defensive line is, it's, it's obviously not 2018 or 2019. They've made improvements from there. They're, they're better there. But they still don't have a, you know, a real stud in the middle that can, you know, can take on a couple of blockers and make plays in the backfield. And maybe that guy is Thomas Seo. He, he, he missed the last 10 days of camp. Well, I want to say it was close to the last two weeks anyway. Um, and he's a 365 pound defensive tackle. So if he's back and he, and he's healthy, maybe he's that guy, but. Yeah, you know, we don't know. Simon Sandberg has been, you know, he's been a good solid player, but there's no stars on that line and there's no, you know, nobody that I don't know. I'm maybe there's a couple of guys that would start at a few other places, but I just it's it's not a it's it's not a it's not a, 
average to above average defensive line. At least that's what it appears. Now let's well again, I'm willing to be proven wrong come August and and September, but that's that's one area that you know could hold these guys back. The other is inside linebacker. I think they're pretty good there. But they do. They did lose Avery Roberts, and he was he was obviously a big playmaker. He was the first team all Pac-12 linebacker. I think he led the conference in tackles. I want to say he might have led the conference in tackles the last two years, even. Um, so they they need somebody to, and that could be Kyrie Fisher. I mean, he showed some promise late in the year when Avery Roberts went down, and they've got they've got some other guys behind him. But that's an area that you know wait and see let's see how they uh, see how they perform omar spates is back and he started the last two years so they do have some ex some experience there jack coletto's back um but the the i'd say those two areas um i i'm I'm in a wait and see mode on those two areas all right now that we've covered pretty much everything that needs to be covered from the spring let's look ahead to the season a little bit especially the early schedule you have three non-conference games, Boise State at home, then at Fresno State. Then you have Montana State at home, so you don't have a Power 5 opponent, but you still have a couple good teams there. And then you have USC and Utah early. We remember last year they beat USC early. That was a huge win. And then later in the season, they were one of the few teams to be able to knock off Utah. And they, But then, of course, that was sandwiched by some bad losses. That still bothered me. But anyway, what's your take on those five games? I mean, I think we would expect they win Montana State and then maybe Fresno and are the other ones up in the air or is Fresno up in the air as well? They're pretty solid and we saw what happened to Oregon State against Utah State. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a sneaky tough early start of the schedule and they better have their, they better they better be ready. Or uh, Oregon State hasn't won a season opener since 2015 and um and granted they've had a lot of tough openers, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, at Purdue, those sorts of things. But you know you got Boise State at home. That's not going to be a t- that's not a, a, a an easy opener. But it's a win. But it's a game you could win and, and play. But you don't want to lose Boise State and then have to go down to Fresno State and win because Fresno State that's a tough place to play. And they do have the, they do have their quarterback back, and he was great last year. Um, and that place is it's just you know you play at night in early September. That's a tough place to play. So you don't want to, you don't want to start out. There, there's a possibility of a two and O start, but there's also a possibility of an O and two start because those are neither one of those games are going to be easy. Even Montana State, you know, they played for the FCS championship last year. I'm not saying that Oregon State's going to lose that game, but there's easier, you know, gimme games than that one. And it's in Portland. It'll be in a, you know, unfamiliar venue for for both schools but especially for Oregon State so so I mean you, you want to try to at least come out of, I think you want to come out of the non-conference two and one then then when you open the, the Pac-12 I mean who knows what we're going to get with USC I mean they I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're winning the the south but they're certainly going to be better than they've been and uh, you know that's not gonna that I that's a that's a uh, conference opener I'm really looking forward to because I think USC is going to be good but they're not going to be great and if that's when the Oregon State could win I think the place is going to be full it will give the fan base and the team some energy if they could win that game and then and then they do go to Utah which is probably I would say that's probably the toughest game of the year. 
Um, Utah looks like the best team in the Pac-12, and then playing at that place, probably a night game. It's it you know it's that that'll be tough. So these first five five games, you know, anything from shoot one and four to four and one is possible. Yikes! <laughs> one and four. Well, I mean. I mean, uh, I said I said anything <laughs> from one and four to four and one. I didn't say it was going to be one and four. But no, I you mean, said they're going four and four. That's what I heard. I'm just yeah. Kidding. Well, <laughs> your hearing is bad. That's not what I said. I mean, I, know, I, I I think it's I think it's I think if they can start three and two, that's a that that's a that's a promising start to the season. But it could be even better than that. But it might not be so. But it, but it's not the kind of opening that that I've seen easier. I've seen easier schedules for first five games than this. Let's just put it that way. Fair enough. All right, let's move on to a team that we always know is going to be over five hundred and will over five hundred. The Oregon State baseball team, which is twenty eight and eight, ten and five in conference. They're in the second half of the conference schedule. They got UW coming up soon, and then. Oregon, oh, one against Oregon, three Utah, four Oregon, damn, and then they end with Arizona and UCLA. What's your big picture view on where this program is right now, where their season is headed, and is it reasonable for them to be a top eight seed? Is that is that something that could happen? Well, we we never know what the NCAA is thinking because they don't they don't turn out a uh, you know any previews like they do in basketball for seeding, but. Clearly, Oregon State's you know among the top eight at this point. They're ranked in the top four or five, and and as high as two in some polls at this point. They're tied for first in the Pac-12 with Oregon, but they do have a pretty tough finish to the season. This 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 weekend series with Washington is would not be considered. That that seems like one that probably needs to be probably needs to be a sweep. But definitely need to win the series to to, to stay in the, to, to stay in to stay in the discussion for top eight, and then I think that the Utah, which will be a sneaky tough series, because Utah seems even though they're not one of the better teams in the Pac-12, they seem to give everybody trouble. In fact, I think they just won a series at Arizona. So, but then Oregon State's got to finish the season. They have five games against Oregon. Three of them are conference games, and those will be the home. That's the home games. Um, Arizona and UCLA. You know, probably three of the top four teams other than Oregon State in the conference are their three final series. Two of them are at home. So, I mean, they certainly have they certainly have a lot of opportunity here to to nail down a top eight seed. But you know, if they get on a if they get on a bad patch, it, they'll they'll be out of that in a hurry because you know these these teams are going to be facing down the stretch are not going to be easy but it would be it would it would be a good sign of progress for for Mitch's program to get back to a top 8 seed like like Pat Casey's teams had had been doing regularly toward the end it's tough to live up to what he did isn't it i mean it's just no but Mitch is really he's re- he's got the recruiting part of it down pretty well now now it's now it's just a ma- and you know the pitching staff is starting to come together a little bit more they they're getting some some guys back that have been injured and um i think they i think they're slowly getting back to where they have their their defined three weekend starters they hadn't had that for a while so if they can get those three guys their three starters nailed down for the stretch run here i think that's 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 huge. 
All right, and last but not least, we can't forget about basketball. Uh, there's some big news coming soon, you uh, seem to believe, maybe involving assistant coach transfers. What, what say you? What's going on? Well, I mean, there's yeah, there's going to be a lot of things coming here in the next probably month to, or three to five weeks, I would think. With with women with men's basketball, they've got one more assistant coach to hire, and you know, I'm I'm hearing he's they're they're close on that one. Um, then their roster, they've got uh, eleven guys, eleven scholarship guys on the roster, so they need two more additions, and they're these are big these are big ones because. They need a point guard desperately, and they need a guy that can either shoot or bang. One of those two. I think they need a shooter, but um, so and and I, I'm expecting you know those guys will be showing up here in the next month or so. I think there's no there's no um, buddy that's on the horizon that I think is going to sign here in the next couple days but i do think i I do think a couple of those one at least one of those players is is coming soon um women's basketball is 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 probably is more player driven obviously they they've only got they've got the four high school kids that they've signed and then they have um four remaining players off this year's roster so they only have eight players on the roster right now so they they're they're hitting the road hard for the coaches are hitting the road hard for for transfer prospects and you know they've they need to hit they need to hit up get a point guard for sure and another shooter and probably and then probably need a couple of bigs they were looking pretty good down down low um going after the season then taylor jones went in the transfer portal can he Brown went in the transfer portal. Suddenly, all their depth, you know, near the basket went away, and so I think they're going to need to go find another big too. So I, I, I expect Oregon State women are going to probably land oh three or four transfers here in the next you know week to five weeks or so. Um, so keep keep tune on to that because that's. You know, it's going to make or break what they do. Right, right now, you know, they're they've got some good players on the roster, but they definitely need some more. They need they need more to to become return to the top twenty five like they've been accustomed to. All right, I think we've exhausted all of these topics. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we check out here? No, I think that's that's probably uh, that's. I mean, that's probably the uh, you know we research stadium will be on will be on the topic here. Once we get into August, with you know how it'll look for the fans come come game day in in September, um, they'll be continuing construction on the on the stadium until probably early to mid August, and they'll shut it down for the season. and And um, so you're probably going to get a good look at at least the the guts of what the West Side's going to look like this season, and and they'll have that new video board up, which you know, on paper and, and the, the drawings looks fantastic, but, uh, um, right now it's just a, it's just a shell down there. Um, <laughs> the, what we saw, but, but yeah, that, that should really make that stadium pop with that new video board they're going to put up. So kind of excited to see that. All right. Well, that's it for the Beaver banter podcast. Thanks Nick for all of your input on everything Beavers related over the spring. We'll be back soon with another episode 
please be sure to click the subscribe button and give us a positive rating. We would appreciate it. Again, I am Aaron Fentress and he is Nick Daschle and we'll catch you next time.